Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. I'm Connor DeLynn. Today, I'm going to play with you an interview by a gentleman named Trent Ellingford. I haven't seen Trent in a few years, but used to do some business with him a little while back, and it was really fun to reconnect. Uh, we followed each other on social media over the last little bit, and I really have appreciated what he's sharing with the world and what he's doing. Uh, Trent is a very experienced uh, investor in real estate, uh, specifically now commercial real estate state. And how he's gone about doing this is kind of unique. He's got some different approaches and perspective on on things that uh, aren't necessarily the playbook of old. And his ability to get creative, to learn, and then ultimately to help other people along the way is something that I really admire. And I was excited to have him on the show today, not just to talk you know, specifically about real estate and what his uh, advice was, especially to younger people, but talk on more of a philosophical level as well about you know, what it takes to be a part of the passion economy, what it takes to go out and work there hard and how to know what path you should take and knowing that that doesn't always, uh, you know, it's not always a straight line that you make mistakes and you learn along the way and how you respond to those perceived, you know, losses or failures is really what makes all the difference. So Trent, if you want to follow him, the best way to do it is on social media, on Instagram. It's just his name, Trent Ellingford. The notes will be in the show link, uh, as well as his website is trentellingford.com. Last name, E-L-L-I-N-G-F-O-R-D. Trent, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's really good to have you. Uh, where, where are you calling in from? Is it Phoenix? Yeah, thanks for having me. Phoenix. Yeah, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And it's awesome. This, this Looks time like of you year is when uh, you know why you live here. It's, it's fantastic right now. Yeah, I, man, I, I feel like I've got to migrate down there at least once a month to uh, avoid the winter. That's just not how I roll. So I'm a little jealous of you as you're in a t-shirt ready to roll here, but that's okay. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. I think there's a lot to go through today. Um, I first want to get a feel for like your personal background of how you got into the real estate game. Was this something that was you know, kind of your path forever? Had you already thought, always thought about this or did it just fall in place? Um, no, I, it kind of fell into place. It wasn't strategic. I didn't have a, a ton of forethought, forethought to it, excuse sure. me, to be honest. Um, I was actually going to college as my, uh, as my sophomore year of college. I was at the University of Utah um, okay. and it was summer break and I was I was working construction to pay for college. Um, and I knew that that was just a means to an end. I, I just, uh, I, I didn't love it, but it, it paid for school. And uh, yep. during that summer break, I was offered a job, a sales job, which sounded great to me because I didn't have to swing a hammer. Um, and it promised that I could make as much, if not more money. So I took that and I was making about $50,000 a year. And I, and I, I put that number out there because I just want to kind of, draw some perspective in hindsight that's just really laughable but as a young college kid it seemed like a ton of money man like i thought sure. i thought i was making really just in comparison to like i grew up in a really small town and like this isn't a woe is me story like but we sure. didn't have a lot of money I, I never felt like i was missing anything but we never had a lot of money so now i'm making like 50 grand a year i thought i was killing it and i saw people making money in real estate, right? You always hear that, like wealth is created through real estate. And so that's yeah. really why I gravitated towards it. And I decided I was going to buy a house. 
<clears throat> so I did everything that I wouldn't do now just because I didn't know what I didn't know. But um, I contacted a realtor, said I wanted to look at homes. I uh, spoke with a mortgage broker, got pre-qualified for X amount of dollars and started shopping homes. And after looking at about 10, 11 homes, I put in an offer and I purchased my first property, which uh, was right by the University of Utah. It was a two bedroom, two, two bedroom, one bathroom, but with an unfinished basement. So I finished the basement and put in another two bedrooms and one bathroom, and I started renting it out to college kids at the U. And that was my first investment property. Um, I dropped out of college, sure. FYI, and um, <laughs> stuck with that job at that time. And, and I had that income property and no mentors, no training, nothing like that. I, I, but I made it, I could have done better, but I made enough to pique my interest to want to do more. So that's how I started. Yeah. That's really cool. And then that just snowball effect happens. And, uh, you know, I, how has this changed now? Do you feel, you know, in the last, I don't know when you were in college, but I'm guessing <laughs> we're talking 10 ish years ago at least, right? That, that, and, that's uh, really funny. But it's, uh, about, that was about 25 years ago. So, man, I don't believe that you don't look that old. I was like, maybe 15. I don't want to age him here. Uh, but how would you say now, like someone in college, maybe trying to do the same thing, like trying to make money, trying to get going, like one, how do you think things have changed to make it either easier or harder? The pros and cons of now versus then? Yeah, I think there's pros and cons. Um, the cons would be home prices are significantly higher, right? Than when I purchased, but the same could be said when sure. I purchased compared to my parents, right? And my parents sure. to their parents. That's the one thing that we do know is over time, home prices are going to appreciate. Yes, it ebbs and flows and has ups and downs, but over time it appreciates. And so I think it's a mistake to say, well, I'm going to wait to see what the market does. There's never yeah. a bad time to invest in real estate. Um, there's bad strategies for the place that the market's in. We have to be, we sure. have to adjust our strategy. But to your question, to a home buyer, not, not an investor, somebody that's just looking to buy a home. Okay, home prices mm -hmm. are more. Um, a great pro though, is up until just recently, interest rates were at historic lows. I mean, historic lows. It was, it was almost free money. I mean, you're, you're buying properties with sub four, even sub 3% interest rates. Um, crazy if you had the income, the credit to not buy at that time, because I mean, Warren Buffett said this probably 10, 15 years ago, but it's still very true today. In essence, you could buy the buy a house and you can short the bank, right? Because interest rates are low. So if you had bought, let's say just 12 months ago, 24 months ago, and then interest rates start to creep up like they have, well, great. You're already locked in at that fixed interest rate. If interest rates, however, go the other direction and they come down, well, now you can step in and refinance it. And so you're, you're, you're shorting the dollar mm -hmm. in essence and then capitalizing on the appreciation of the home. Um, for somebody that – if I'm drawing an, um, an, an, a line to me being in college, right, young, not yeah. a lot of money, maybe okay credit but not credit history – right? Which is important too. Yep. If you're looking at conventional loans. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's going to make it a little, little bit tougher because what are you going to qualify for? And the banks are going to look at debt to income ratios. But this is where education is key because 
you know, I said, and it wasn't in, <laughs> on purpose to tee this up, but it definitely ties in. I said, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Knowing what I know now, I'd approach things a lot differently. There's so many creative financing opportunities, seller financing, subject twos, yeah. lease options, where your credit doesn't matter. You can come in with a minimal amount down. Um, you can help solve somebody else's problem and profit in the process of helping somebody. So there's a lot of creative mm -hmm. ways to buy real estate. And as we, with what's taking place right now in the economy, we, um, with interest rates going up, okay, affordability has definitely got, gotten squeezed. And so we're gonna see prices continue, in my opinion, we're gonna continue to see prices on the residential side come down. Okay, <clears throat> what about layoffs? We're already starting to see that happen. I anticipate that we'll see yep. more of that happen. Um, and so now you have somebody that's in a tough spot. Maybe they've they've lived in the house for 15 years, right? But now they can't make the mortgage payment. They're facing foreclosure, but prices have come down. There's not as many buyers in the market. Maybe it won't pass inspection. Um, they need to put five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 into the house to get it to pass inspection. Well, if you can't make the mortgage payment, how are you going to pay for that? Right. And so sure. there are, are people that where it's going to be difficult to sell. And if you can help them get out of that problem, avoid bankruptcy, right? Help salvage their credit, give them some cash to get back on their feet. Then you can pick up the property and maybe it already has a fixed interest rate at 3% on it. So now you're buying a property where values have come down, but you're buying it at that lower interest rate. So the affordability is significant. And I just think we're going to see more and more of that, Connor, over the next, I would say, 12 to 18 months. We're going to see more opportunities like that. Yeah. On the commercial side, I'm seeing it like crazy. It's always been easier to get creative financing on commercial. But right now, people want yesterday's price. Well, I can get you price if you give me terms. Uh, yeah, so the opportunities there is just education and knowing how to do it. Sure. You know, you said something really interesting there that I wanted to bring up. I, I've talked about recently on the show how I feel like these younger generations tend to know there's so many more opportunities out there, right? Like with social media, like we are exposed to people who are doing really well and who have gotten creative to do it. And so I, I'm curious, when you talked about like creativity, do you feel there's been a difference now in like, I think before it would have been like, older generations would have told us, well, here's what you do. You buy a house, you know, like there's a very set playbook and rules. And it seems like all that's kind of out the window now. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. And it's not that these strategies are necessarily new, but they weren't that well known. And they, and they weren't sure. that accessible to your point, right? We just live in a different world today where everything is at your fingertips. Like literally yeah. everything is it your fingertips? If you want to know something, like when somebody asks me a question, I'm like, Google it. Come on. Like we, if yeah. you watch <laughs> go it, to YouTube. go to YouTube. Like it's all there. Now, yeah, there is a difference between conceptually understanding something and having real knowledge, right? I could watch a video of somebody mm -hmm. swimming and conceptually I get that I got to move my arms and kick my legs, but that doesn't mean if you throw me in the deep <laughs> end, I'm going to swim, right? So th sure. I think that's where there's a disconnect sometimes, but there is no excuse to not access that information. And yes, people are so much more knowledgeable in the space because there's people that are out there posting videos, posting on their um, social media channels, 
how to structure a subject to, how to structure a lease option, how to structure seller financing. You know, I, I go back to when I was a kid, we had the, we had the Encyclopedia Britannica. Like that's what we had. The, the knowledge was very, the information, I guess I should say, was extremely limited. So unless you personally mm -hmm. knew somebody that was doing this, you weren't going to get that transfer of knowledge. Now it's at our fingertips. Sure. So yeah, it, it's much yeah. more accessible. I love what you said there. There's no excuse now to like not figure it out because it all is there. And I think I would add to that too, you know, kudos to someone like you who you go to your website right now and it's a link to your calendar, <laughs> right? Like you're saying, Hey, book a meeting with me. Like I'm willing to share. And I think, you know, obviously we know that, you know, people that, share that knowledge or looking to create some sort of win-win, which, Hey, we all understand that's awesome. But how do you see kind of this world now of coaches and mentors? Like how has this changed and become more accessible as well? I think it's changed for the better, like significantly better. Um, you know, this, and we spoke a little bit offline, Yeah, but I've been in that space for a long time, not a coach, not a mentor, but yep. you know, uh, definitely in that space. And I feel that a lot of it was diluted and maybe monetized to the detriment of the individual looking to learn. And because so much is accessible now, the cream has risen to the top, right? If you don't deliver a good product, if you're not genuinely have the individual's best interest in mind, well, you're not going to last very long because that's going to be sure. blasted out there. So um, it, there are some incredible coaches and trainers out there. And look, coaching isn't for everybody. For me, um, I, I have some incredible coaches and mentors, and I still invest a significant amount of money on a yearly basis for masterminds and different things that I'm involved with because it is very true. You are who you associate with, and I'm always looking to level up. I don't care where you get. There's always somebody operating at a higher level, and I think that's what life is about is challenging ourselves and improving. But back to the coaching space itself, um, you know, if you can really vet individuals and people are like posting their HUDs. They're, they're showing the deals that they're doing and it doesn't have to be real estate specific, right? It could be sure. self-improvement or e-commerce or whatever it may be. And um, for me personally, it kind of just evolved organically because yeah. um, I was doing something that was a little bit unique and people would ask how, and, and eventually it's like, okay, how do I do that transfer of knowledge, a brain dump, Mm -hmm. without, you know, I can't do 20 calls a day because then it takes away from my business. It takes away from my family. Sure. So it, it created organically, but uh, I'm circling back to a point that you made where it's that win-win. Like I've had some incredible yeah. deals this year that I never would have done had I not worked with some people and taught them how to do what I'm doing, right? I can't be everywhere. Mm -hmm. I can't find everything. And Seriously, um, I had a deal this year that's one of the best deals I've ever seen that uh, this kid, well, I shouldn't say kid. I say that because he's younger than me. He's in his early 30s. It's all good. I yeah. like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, he found it. I showed him what to look for, how to analyze it quickly, and he brought it to me. And now we're partners on that deal. Like, how cool is that? It's really so cool. So it's a huge benefit to me. It's a huge benefit to him. Um, 
yeah, so it's a cool space right now. I think there's a lot of good happening. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's opened up and I think there's a lot more transparency. Yeah. I think people are authentic about what they're doing. And, you know, that's the, the pro and con of social media, right? Is, you know, I think a lot of times we think it all looks fake, but there are people that do it right that actually do show the authentic side and you can see that's real. I'm curious for you, like you've shifted mid-career to all of a sudden now, like social media and finding people this way, like is a new <laughs> thing. Like you're on a podcast with me right now. We wouldn't have done this 10 years ago. No, we, like, how have you adjusted to that? It's a, I'm still adjusting to it, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, it's, a, it's a new thing for me. And it kind of, um, it was uh, a necessity. But the more I do it, the more I'm starting to enjoy it and become comfortable with it. And, you know, getting to meet new people and, and interact and also just see people have success with something and be a part of that. But, um, I, I fought it at first, like being honest, like, and, and I don't want to be, or never thought I would be that person that fought change, but I'm just, was always a really private sure. person. That's really what it came down to. Yeah. Um, to be honest, even though like I've spoken on stages in front of thousands of people, I'm an introvert, man. I really am. Like yeah. I can hunker down and close my door and be alone and be fine. And sure. like my happy places with my family, you know, I have my wife, I have four daughters. Like I, I really, like I like people but I love my family and I love that time. So I, I got to yeah. tell you this, this is a little off track, but it, I don't know, maybe you'll get a kick out of it. So here's how I go I got for it. That's why we do long form podcast. <laughs> here's how I got a Facebook account. Um, you know that uh, I'm really into bourbon. Okay. Not just to drink yep. it, collect it, like invest. Sure. Like, very, I could kind of nerd out on bourbon and there's, um, back channels, Facebook groups with secondary markets to buy and sell bourbon. And so somebody out of Texas that I used to buy a lot of bourbon from told me, Hey, if you really want to get this stuff, you should join this Facebook group. And I'm like, I don't even have a Facebook account. And he's like, well, you need yeah. to open one. So I had my wife open me a Facebook account. <laughs> okay. And then I tried to, to purchase some bourbon and, um, they wouldn't sell it to me because I didn't have a picture. And they're like, well, how do we even know you're real? So I had my wife put up a picture of the family and everything. And that's how I got on social media. <laughs> uh, Instagram huh. came years later and um, yeah, I'm, I'm embracing it now. Yeah. I actually think that story is really informative because it's so crucial as you're trying to connect with people that you let them see different sides of you too. Like if you think about it, there are a lot of real estate investors out there. There are a lot of, you know, consultants that might help you do that. But how do you know who you're going to connect with, who you like, who you have, you know, like I want to get on a call with this guy. And I think it's cool to see you using a special interest like that. Like, okay, if someone likes real estate and bourbon, now I'll jump on a call with him. And I mean, I, I found the same way with, I'm not on Twitter very much, but I, I kind of have this weird niche following on Twitter that more than half of my uh, fans on Twitter have nothing to do with my podcast or anything I'm doing. And they just love Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. And so because I love Tiger Woods and tweet about him all the time and talk about that, like there's created a community within a community almost. And I think uh, that's just a good reminder to people back home trying to figure out how to develop their own brand. Be you, be real and show different aspects of you rather than just that's your professional well said. life. That's well said. Otherwise, and, and, I struggle with that too, just putting out information versus just being you, right? 
because not everybody's yeah. going to gravitate or relate with you, but a lot of people are, and it become then it's authentic, right? You're not just putting out vanilla. Yeah, it's real and it's authentic. And it was an eye opener for me. Like I just did a couple small, simple posts on commercial real estate. Literally right before we got on this call, I got a message on Instagram mm -hmm. because of my post today. It's a big residential wholesaler. He said, "Hey, I have a commercial property in Texas." Um, direct to seller. I have the contract, but it, I, basically he's saying is a little out of his realm. And he's said, mm -hmm. can you take a look at it? Would be willing to partner with you on it. You know, like how cool is that? Like where you can Absolutely. just connect with people that you don't know, but you have some common ground. If I can help provide some solution and some real value to what he's doing that benefits us both, that would never happen without social media. Yeah, you're right. I think that's a good lesson for people too to break down the individual bits of that. I think so often we get caught up in social media having to be about all the followers you have or you're some influencer and I have 100,000 followers, so this means this, this or that. And I think what we're starting to see is that quantity is a lot more important than quality, right? Like if you have 2,000 people that are fans and hang on every word and how many of those need to turn into big deals to make it worthwhile. And so I, I think there is kind of a new understanding of social media too. This isn't a numbers game. It's about the chance to put yourself out there and connect with other people. And then the real connections like you just shared happen in direct messages, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's not in the comments, but all of a sudden the conversation starts that way. And uh, it's pretty cool to see how, you know, what comes from that. It's cool to see you're closing real estate deals that way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it happens fairly regularly, right? Because um, I believe it. it and what I do is a little bit unique, but everybody has their own niche and stuff that's unique. But because I, I sure. really operate in the commercial space, I have a lot of residential investors and some of them are the gurus, the big gurus. I could name some names, the real well-known ones, and they're very savvy business people, but uh, commercial is just not their space. Or it's somebody who's brand new and they, you know, they're cold calling. And they get a sell, they call a seller on a house. Well, instead of using a hypothetical, I'll give you a real example. This was literally two days ago. Uh, residential yeah. wholesaler said, Hey, Trent, I have an interesting one. Um, the guy has a house, he's looking to sell. It's on two acres, but he also has a tire shop on it that he's leasing. And then there's a duplex on it that he's leasing and he wants to sell mm -hmm. the whole thing. But I don't know how to value, how to place a value on it because there's, you know, a few different moving parts. Um, could you help with me would be willing to JV on the deal. So it's just, it's just providing solutions and everybody can win, right? It's not a take, take, take. Uh, I, yeah, there's so much opportunity out there and for people that are hungry and looking to get stuff done, like I can reach out and I can get help from somebody that maybe has knowledge I don't have and vice versa. Yeah. I love that. One of the things I've said recently is, the more focused you are on helping other people win, like you can't help but win yourself, right? And that's I think when so that true. mentality so is true. what guides it, like, and that's what it seems like you're running your business on. And I really feel that this spirit of abundance and a mentality that we're not all competing against each other. Like you said, there's so many opportunities to go around embracing that type of perspective. I hope for, you know, these younger generations that this can lead to, you know, ultimately better relationships and just happier, more fulfilled people along the way. 
Yeah, I I hope so too. And I think the younger generation maybe gets a bad rap sometimes. Um, yeah. That may be true for every younger generation though. Um, you know, sure. And there's probably some truth to it. There's a lot of, it's just a different world right now. If I'm being perfectly honest, I do see with some youth a sense of entitlement, but I also, that's probably true for every generation. Cause I also see some mm-hmm. very hungry go-getters. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm working with a kid right now and I will say kid cause he's 19 freshman in college, yeah. um, reached out to me multiple times, wanted to learn real estate, wanted to learn commercial real estate. And, uh, he's freshman year of college and we're working with his pro- just got his first property under contract last week. I mean, how cool is that? He's 19 awesome. years old. He just got his first commercial property under contract and he's a freshman in college. Um, he's uh, so yeah, there's, there's those that are out there that want to do something. And it doesn't have to be real estate, right? I just speak to what I do, sure. but there's a lot of, I think hungry go getters out there that are going to make things happen. And to your point, help other people. Cause if you can help other people, then it's all going to flow back. It always does. Sure. I love that. I want to ask you a couple of questions here, kind of shifting gears a little bit to the American dream. All right. So often you hear, you know, like when Thomas Jefferson wrote life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, he stole that from John Locke. And that quote was originally life, liberty, and property and property and real estates always had a huge play in people living out the American dream and seeing success. So first off, I, I'm curious, <laughs> how a, do you see the role of real estate um, and owning property as a part of, of the American dream? This country so great is that opportunity of ownership, equal opportunity, right? Not equal outcome, but equal opportunity. If you come here, you can make a stake um, because property is something you can pass to the next generation. You can start to build a legacy. Agreed. It's an asset that can produce income or it could just be, you know, the, the family house, whatever it may be. But that ownership, in my opinion, is um, with without it, the American dream doesn't exist. Sure. Yeah. I love that. I, I I totally agree. I think it's that ability to be able to say, hey, if, if I work for something, I at least I have a chance. I have a shot at this. And, you know, being set up for success in a lot of ways. I'm curious if you feel over, let's say, maybe the last 50 to 60 I years, don't think if you feel the American changed, dream has changed, but I do like, people do you feel this has evolved or people look at it differently or um, or no? I and it makes me sick and it makes like just being honest really upset to hear people complain yeah, about explain. this country this country's not perfect it's not but the principles and the ideas that it was founded on that we still have today are about as close as you can get right now whenever you put humans in the mix things are going to get fucked up a little bit okay cuz humans are human but um the idea mm-hmm. is, well, up until this country, there was nothing like that. Sure. Right? It was <clears throat> elected. Of, yes, it was an experiment. Elected officials didn't exist. We the people. Um, and I think 
to mm-hmm. the greatest it's illustration for me personally, and I've seen this on multiple occasions, is, uh, and I'll give you an example. Earlier this year, I walked a, um, a big 200,000 square foot industrial space here in Phoenix with an investor out of Michigan, came from the Middle East. And we're walking this property, and one of the um, bays was leased by a company mm-hmm. that makes mattresses. And there was a Mexican gentleman that was moving mattresses, and we grab him and uh, get talking to him. Ends up it's his place, okay? He came here from Mexico, started some small place making mattresses, grown this into this huge uh, wholesale retail business now. And I'm speaking to this gentleman from the Middle East after, and he just, his love for this country, he couldn't stop talking about just the opportunity because he came here as an immigrant. He's managing literally hundreds of millions of dollars in commercial assets now. And he couldn't have created that for himself or his family anywhere else here but the U.S. Um, The gentleman that we were speaking to came over and did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It's that opportunity. And so... When I see somebody from another country come here and they're hungry, they're, they still look at the American dream as though 10, 20, 30 years ago, in their mind, it hasn't changed. And they're here to take advantage of it. And then we have fourth, fifth generation individuals that are born here mm-hmm. that will grab their Starbucks coffee yeah. and drive their car, and, and but then complain about how they're there's not opportunity or they're oppressed or whatever it may be like, it just doesn't sit well with me. And I don't work with people like that. We all have, every one of us have obstacles and every one of us have opportunities and it's up to us what we do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's really well said. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of young people that feel like, you know, the, the plan that we were told or the path yep. that was shown, like, it's not working. And we, we can look a lot of times at like older generations who, as they're headed into retirement now, they maybe worked for one company their entire life. They had one stream of income. Now they're moving into retirement and realizing like, these numbers don't work. And so, you know, I think it is an interesting stage right now of people watching that happen to others and wanting to avoid that fate, like wanting to build wealth, not wanting to just jump into the machine. What advice would you give to people that, you know, are trying to yeah, so a couple not things. necessarily play by, um, you know, yesterday's said, yeah, playbook what we and what was trying to get creative and work way. hard like to build like wealth sooner rather than later? Versus my parents' generation my generation than your generation, um, things evolve, right? Things change. And um, yeah, that work for one company for the rest of your life, get a pension or retirement plan and retire at 60. Maybe that still exists, but not really, right? It's not common. Yeah, we're not. And to each each person has to do what is best for them. But for me, that's just not even appealing anyway. Like, we're not Here's buying how it. I look at it. Like I've got one life. We got one shot at this, man. This this is it. It's not like we get a replay. And I don't want to look back and say, God, I wish I would have tried this or I wish I would have done that. Because if I try it and it doesn't work out, at least yeah. I fucking gave it a shot. But if I just being honest, me working for the same company 
making median income for 60 years and then retiring yeah. sounds miserable. Like I, it's just, there's something about the chase, the hunt, the build, like trying to improve. And so to answer your question, you know, yeah, maybe that's not yeah. there. Who cares? Like, let's not dwell on that. There's so much opportunity because if I, to tie this into what you said about helping other people, that's what's so awesome about this country. If you could come out with a real solution, product, whatever it may, service mm -hmm. that helps people, makes other people's lives easier or puts money yeah. in their pocket, you can build, you can amass a fortune and you can do it in a relatively short period of time. So if I'm looking at that and saying, hey, this whole get it, go to school, get a job and retire really isn't going to work. I would say a couple things. Number one, mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're passionate about and what you want to pursue now, that's okay. It's okay. Might take a while to figure that out. So do something that you know you're good at. I would start there. Do something that you know you're good at because it can pay you well, but you need to find something that you're passionate about. Now, passion, mm -hmm. I, I'm back and forth on this because I do see some people out there preaching, well, you got to do something you're passionate about. Well, yeah, but it's got to be something that can generate some income too, right? Because if, if not, then do something that, <laughs> yeah. So if, if that's just not in the cards that you're going to be a pro, then find sure. something that will fund your passion. I don't make any money Give playing golf. Give you the golf. ability to live <laughs> life on your terms. Go golf when you want to golf. Go do what you want to do, right? So... Uh, what is that? You know, things evolved for me. Um, I, I had a really good paying mm -hmm. job. Yeah, I was independent, but it was a job, you know, it paid extremely well in most people's eyes. Um, but I didn't have control of it. And, you know, I took a lot of risk to step away from that and took some lumps. You pay for education one way or another. And I, mm -hmm. I had some expensive learning experiences, but if you can find something, if, you know you're passionate about something if you think about it all the time. I, that's the yeah. best advice I could give somebody. If you if it continues to pop into your head and the next day you're thinking about it, the next day you're thinking about it, if you never act on that, 60 years down the road, mm -hmm. you're going to be like, God, I should, have, I should have tried that, right? So what is that for your listeners? I don't know, but they do. They do. Real estate always rang true for me. Would I say it's my... Yeah. End all passion. No, probably not. Yeah. Do I enjoy it? Yes. Is it fun? Yes. I like getting creative and solving problems and it can pay really well if you're good at it and it can do it in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Um, and, but it allows me to live the life that I want. So anyway, that was a long answer to your question. I don't know if I really directly answered it, but it's, No, I, I, I think that's perfect. And I, you know, I've talked so much lately about the passion economy and it's funny because people, people are on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to that word, exactly what you just said, right? Like you can't just do what you're passionate about. Like it's not all light, it's not all roses, but I think there's a good balance that you explained there of if something is coming to your mind a lot, there's an energy that is driving that, 
right? And then when you go out and actually do it, like you're just, you just feel more energetic about what you're doing there. And so I think that's such great advice for young yeah. people. Find your passion, find what it is that you and can't then, get out of your head or that idea that you want to just make happen. Surround yourself with some people that know how to do it and learn from the best quickly and then go make it happen. Yeah. And then go take action and pursue it. You might skin your knees. You probably will and get a couple bumps, but that's how you learn. And to your point, if you are passionate about it, if it is something that's always in your head and your state of mind, you're going to find a way to get there. You're going to find that solution. You're not going to throw in the towel when you hit a road bump and say, well, I can't because I don't have the money or I can't because I don't have the time or I can't because of whatever, you know, anything after that because is, is an excuse, a story mm -hmm. to justify why we can't do something where if we're persistent, we'll figure it out. You'll be persistent. If it's something that in your bones, you feel like you should be doing and, you know, manifesting things. I, I, I really do believe that the universe conspires to get us to where we need to be and where we should be. It doesn't always Amen. happen on our time frame. <laughs> And I'll promise yeah. you this, it will never be a straight line. Like yep. it, it usually, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's where I need to go. That's what I need to do. So I'm going to do this, this, and this, it'll get me there. And it's always like this. And it, <laughs> you know, you meet somebody that you think, okay, this is the person I'm going to work with or help, but, and that doesn't shake out that way. But had you not taken action and, and had that conversation, you wouldn't have been introduced to this person or, Mm -hmm. Me moving to Phoenix, man. When I moved to Phoenix, I moved here to scale a business that got shut down like three weeks after I moved here because COVID hit. Like it literally yep. shut down. Um, I thought that's the reason I was moving out here was to scale that business that doesn't exist anymore. But had I not taken that step, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be doing what I do now. So I really do believe that as long as we're taking action, if you're not taking action, nothing changes. But if you're taking action and moving towards where you feel your heart is, is leading you, um, the universe will conspire to get you to where you need to be. Yeah, ah, man, so well said. I feel like that's just the perfect cherry to this conversation at the end on top, because it allows us to honestly cut ourselves a little slack that, you know, life isn't necessarily a straight line. Like you said, I think that's so well put. And often when we take a detour, we'll label that as a loss. We'll label it as a failure or a defeat, but it's not, it's a, it's a learning experience and it's a yeah. part of your story that helps you get to that point. And so I think that's something that should be, uh, you know, kind of comforting to those that are stepping into the unknown a bit or doing something that maybe no one in their family's ever done before that, you know, losses aren't always losses. No, they're not. Um, you can chalk a lot of them up as education, learning experiences, or just what had to happen to get you to where you need to be. I, it's hard to see it when you're in that though, right? hundred <laughs> percent. You're getting your ass kicked. It's really hard to see that that's supposed to be happening yeah. right now. Yeah. But, this is just a part of it. The universe yeah. is looking out for me. Exactly. But if you can remind yourself of that, um, you know, it's, it's all going to shake out as long as you're taking action and moving forward. I saw an interesting post and I'm going to butcher it. I don't even remember who it was from, but I thought it was very well said. And not everybody's going to want to hear this either. But it, he said, I don't know any extremely wealthy individual 
that has not lost money. Yeah. Don't know one. Mm -hmm. Every extremely wealthy individual I know, they've taken risks, they've lost money, they've been scammed, they were taken advantage of. It's the person that takes no risk, holds everything close, right? Tight to the chest, going to know that will always be mediocre. Like nobody's going to hear that, but that's that's where you're going to be. Um, It's if you fell, you don't quit. You can't beat somebody that doesn't quit. And um, for the younger listener, I think that's important to hear because you're going to hear, look, we get feedback from people whether we want it or not, right? Friends, family, social media, people we don't even know. People are going to tell you based off of their experiences, based off of their own internal dialogue, what you should be doing and what decisions you should make. The best advice I could give anybody is trust your own instinct. Learn to trust that above anybody else. And if you will trust your instinct, and even if everybody around you is telling you no, but you feel it like in your, you just feel it in your bones that no, this is what I should do. Then trust it and do it because you're right. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. But if we second guess ourselves and don't do it, eventually that becomes a habit and we, and we just give up on our dreams. So if you're young, that would be the best advice I'd give because I also, as you get a little bit older, it gets tougher, not impossible, but it gets tougher and easier to make excuses to not take that jump or take that risk because it's, now it's not just you. It's your spouse. It's your family. You have yep. a mortgage payment. You have cars. You have dance and soccer and like all these responsibilities that now weigh on you that if you make a jump to something else, you put all that into jeopardy. Now, thank God I had a very supporting wife and family that supported me in taking a jump from a very comfortable lifestyle to pursue something else, which was the right decision. But, mm-hmm. you know, it you don't know that when you're making it. I just, again, I felt like things fell into place for a reason and it was, that's why I made that decision. But for some people, they get stuck and maybe stuck's not even the word. Here's what I'm trying to say. I, I think you can reach a point in like middle age where you don't have to do more. Does that make sense? Like you're comfortable. Yeah. You're comfortable. Yeah. You, you're making, let's say you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. You have a nice home. You can take a vacation once a year, maybe twice a year. You have a nice car sitting in the garage. If you want to go out to dinner, you can do that. The bills are paid. You're comfortable. And I don't know who said this, but I love it. And I say it all the time. Good is the enemy to great. Hmm. Because if you're, if you've lost your job, right. And you like, you've got to put food on the table. You don't know how you're going to put gas in your car. Like you're in between a rock and a hard place. You've come out fighting. Like you're going to figure it out. But if you're comfortable, I, I see it more often than not. Somebody who's super comfortable and they decide, well, I'm going to do this or in my space, I'm going to invest in real estate. But as soon as there's one obstacle thrown their way, what do they do? And they just go back to what they're already doing because they're comfortable. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're younger, like now's the time. You can do it anytime. Come on, I, I did it much later in life, but you can do it at any time. You, that's another really cool thing about just being humans. Like, we can choose to reinvent ourselves at any time. 
<laughs> totally that cool? Like you can, yep. you, you've done it. Like you can choose to pivot and reinvent yourself at any point in your life. And that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I have written in my office uh, on the whiteboard and it's the only thing on the whiteboard that can't be erased. Like you can't erase that. And it says, trust your gut and put in the work. Mm. And to well, me, so. what I think you just said right there puts it all in perspective of, you know, be in tune, do what you're passionate about, what you care, do what feels right. And then follow that up with the grit, follow yeah. that up with the work ethic to go make it happen and be willing to try things, to connect with people, to learn from others, even if you feel like they're not worthy of le being learned from, like you can learn something from everyone along yeah, the way. Yeah, you can learn what not to do. <laughs> sure. Some of the greatest lessons you can get, right? Yeah. Well, let's do this for my listeners that want to keep in touch with you or see more of what you're doing. What's the best way to follow you or to get involved? Yeah, sure. Uh, the easiest way, one of two ways or both. Um, if you want to just kind of see what I'm doing, you can check out my social media, my Instagram. It's my name, Trent, T-R-E-N-T, Ellingford. That's E-L-L-I-N-G-F-O-R-D. So Trent Ellingford. That's my Instagram handle. My website, Perfect. same thing, trentellingford.com. Um, cool. As you mentioned, it's just a calendar page. If somebody wants to, and let me preface this, check out what I'm, some of the stuff that I'm doing first. That really, that schedule a call with me is not to schedule a call and just bullshit, right? And talk about it. For like, sure. It's, hey, I'm really interested in learning more about this and possibly partnering or working together what does that look like that that's mm -hmm. what that's for and somebody can schedule a short 20 minute call and and uh you know i'm pretty straightforward like you know if uh people want to work with me great if they don't great i'm gonna keep doing what i do but uh, i found through working with other people it's allowed me to really grow my business and so that and grow theirs at the same time so that's why that's there Love it. All right. So if you want real estate tips or you want to talk bourbon, go follow Trent. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably take a call to talk about that too. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, hey, it was so good to reconnect with you. Thanks yeah, so much for giving us some of your time today. And I think there are a lot of nuggets of wisdom that can be pulled out of this conversation that help, hopefully help some of those of you listening today. So thanks for your time. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I Honestly, I appreciate it. That was fun. Cool. Well, uh, I end every episode with a song. I did warn him this time, but he's still probably going to give me a weird look. Clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. See you next time, everybody. I like it, man. Clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle.